This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Day Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and I'm so thankful that we're able to have this time together as we look at the church's mission of evangelization. And each week provides an opportunity to look at this mission from a different perspective. I've had a chance to speak with musicians, actors, youth ministers, bishops, parents, and everyone brings their own insights and gifts and experiences to this mission. And this week, we take a look at evangelization through the lens of mental health awareness and ministry. I learned about today's guest, Deacon Ed Schoner, through the release of a new book and video series that he helped put together called When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. Now, so many families have experienced this kind of tragedy, and my own family included. My cousin took his own life in April of 2001, and it, and it knocked the breath out of our family for a while as we grappled with the reality of what had happened. And in the grief, there are so many questions that emerge, and most of them land on that big question of why. And this is why the ministry that Deacon Schoner has dedicated himself to is so important, because it really opens up that space to address matters of mental health without fear, without stigma, but really looking squarely and with love at the challenges and suffering that so many are going through in the world and in our church. I remember hearing a quote by Pope Benedict XVI some years after my cousin died about how each of us is loved and each of us is necessary, and I found those words to be a a kind of hopeful antidote against the shadow cast by the sadness of suicide. So for this episode, I went looking for those words by the late Pope, and I saw that they actually come from his homily in April of 2005 at the Mass, which marked the beginning of his ministry as the Pope. And I'll share with you the context for that quote, because it really does touch on the theme of evangelization and the importance, as Deacon Schoner will share, of bringing the light of Christ to the world. So Pope Benedict XVI said the following, We are living in alienation, in the salt waters of suffering and death, in a sea of darkness without light. The net of the gospel pulls us out of the waters of death and brings us into the splendor of God's light, into true life. It is really true. As we follow Christ in this mission to be fishers of men, we must bring men and women out of the sea that is salted with so many forms of alienation and onto the land of life, into the light of God. It is really so. The purpose of our lives is to reveal God to men, and only where God is seen does life truly begin. 
Only when we meet the living God in Christ do we know what life is. We are not some casual and meaningless product of evolution. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. There is nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Christ. There is nothing more beautiful than to know Him and to speak to others of our friendship with Him. The task of the shepherd, the task of the fisher of men, can often seem wearisome, but it is beautiful and wonderful because it is truly a service to joy, to God's joy which longs to break into the world. Again, that is from Pope Benedict XVI's first homily as the Holy Father back in 2005. And with that, we'll now turn to my conversation with Deacon Schoner, whose own journey of grief led him to realize how essential it is to shine the light of Christ into the chaos and the mess of our suffering, because that is where Jesus wants to be. I'm joined by Deacon Ed Schoner, who is a deacon in the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He is a founding member of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers and the Catholic Institute of Mental Health Ministry at the University of San Diego. Deacon Ed, I'm very grateful for your time today. How are you? Great. And thanks for having me, Miriam. Well, Deacon Ed, we're going to cover um, some pretty important topics today. Um, and maybe things that aren't discussed a lot, but which are so relevant to so many families out there. But before we get to that, I was wondering if you could share a bit about yourself, where you grew up, and perhaps how the Catholic faith figured into your own story. Sure. I'm a uh, permanent deacon in the Diocese of Scranton. I was ordained many years ago in 2004, so I've been at this about 18 years now. I was ordained when I was a young man in my 40s. I'm in my okay. 60s now. I'm uh, married. We have four wonderful children. We have uh, eight grandchildren uh, spread throughout Pennsylvania and a couple in California. Uh, prior to becoming a deacon, my professional life was I worked in environmental protection and in environmental consulting, helping on wind farms and solar projects, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, I came to the Catholic Church. I was raised Presbyterian, and uh, I married a good Catholic girl, good Irish Catholic girl here in Scranton, my wife Ruth. And uh, uh, after we started having children, I uh, I became Catholic because I thought it was important that we all go to church together uh, yeah. as as a family. And my wife jokes, I can't do anything halfway, so here I am. I'm a I'm a permanent deacon now. So uh, that's my short story in short. That's wonderful. And Deacon Ed, are you assigned at a certain parish in the diocese? I'm Yes, I'm assigned to to our cathedral parish in, parish in Center City, Scranton, the uh, Cathedral of St. Peter's. Wonderful. Um, Deacon Ed, thank you for, for sharing a bit about your own background. And, um, you know, Deacon Ed, the focus of this show, Blazing the Trail, is evangelization. Um, but the truth is, is we don't bring that good news of Jesus Christ just into an empty space. We we each have a story, a background, a history, um, and that's where Jesus makes his entrance into our lives, not on a blank canvas, but um, where so much has been happening already. For a lot of people, Deacon Ed, we know that part of their story involves challenges with mental health. And so we can't we can't really aspire to be f like fruitful evangelizers if we don't take that into account. Would that be correct? 
That's why I'm so deeply involved with mental health ministry, along with many other good people, that for far too long, people who live with mental illnesses or mental health disorders or mental health challenges, which, by the way, is most of us, uh, right. have felt that that's a part of our life that we can't bring into the church, that we're worried we're going to be dis uh, judged right. or stigmatized or, I would say, even outright uh, discriminated against. And you're absolutely right, Miriam, that that is a place of evangelization where the light of Christ needs to ch shine. It can be chaotic. It can be uh, uh, difficult to deal with at times, but, you know, Christ wants to be there in the middle of all of that. I'm absolutely convinced of that. So that's right. why this ministry is, uh, I think, growing in the church, because the Holy Spirit and Christ wants to be involved with these challenges. Absolutely. What have you found in the course of your ministry? Uh, what are some of the ways that the Catholic Church can respond to folks uh, in, in, in this realm and in these issues? What can the church bring that frankly, we might not be able to find elsewhere out in the world. Well, in a nutshell, we can bring Christ into the midst yeah. of these illnesses. That is the core of, of what the church does and, and what the church does and what, uh, what's called mental health ministry. So um, I'm the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. It just started brand new in the church just three or four years ago. Wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a lay association of the faithful. We're trying to, we're not trying, we are doing all of this in accordance with canon law. And uh, what we're doing is, is encouraging and supporting the development of mental health ministries in parishes. Just like there's grief support ministries or prison ministries or youth ministry, uh, it, we want, our hope is, is that someday it'll be a common ministry like all those other ministries where people know that they uh, are accompanied uh, by Christ and by his people, the church, in these, as they struggle with these uh, challenges and issues. Because like I said earlier, you know, at any one time, 20% of us are struggling with a mental health challenge or mental illness. And over the course of a lifetime, half of us will. So if we're not dealing with it ourselves directly, we know and love someone that is. And it's mm -hmm. it's uh, something that cries out for the for the love and mercy of Christ. And uh, yeah. to open the open, as Pope Francis says, to open up a light uh, to shine on these struggles. Yeah. And I love the way that you put that, that really this should become an ordinary part of the ministry landscape in our parishes. Now, I myself work in a parish, I see day to day, week after week, these needs present themselves. And frankly, I don't know if I would know where to start and um, how how to kind of get e equipped to respond to these pastoral needs. What might you say to someone who's working in a parish who is wondering where to begin? Right. Well, the first thing is you're not called to be a mental health counselor or a psychologist or psychiatrist, but many people are afraid and uncertain and don't have the confidence to provide this type of ministry because of the stigma and all the nonsense we've heard in the general culture about mental illness and mental health. Uh, people who live with these challenges are us. You know, we are they, as the old Pogo saying goes. Uh, and uh, so we, we all struggle with this. So I would say the first thing is, is to have, develop some mental health literacy to some, mm. so you can have some confidence. So you know what schizophrenia is versus bipolar versus anxiety. And there's lots of good, simple programs out there where you can develop mental health literacy, just so you, you so when someone presents themselves, you know what they're talking about. And, and the other thing is to uh, remember that it is ministry. You're not, we're not called to cure anyone of a mental illness. That's what the professionals do. Uh, so uh, to remember that it's, it's a more a matter of bringing the light of Christ into their 
uh, struggles and, uh, and, and, and to know that you're a minister, you're not a professional. So that would be the first attitude or mindset. And then there are training programs out there that we provide through the association. Uh, there's also a good program called Mental Health First Aid, which is secular, but, but it is a good basic seven, eight hour program on, on mental health issues and how to talk to people. So uh, uh, yeah, go to our website, catholicmhm.org, and you'll see lots of information on how to start a ministry and how to give you this basic training and information have the confidence to be able to minister uh, effectively. Right. And, you know, you said this a few times already that it it, it even just uh, is simply about bringing that presence of Christ into a situation, into into that space, um, just truly accompanying someone, perhaps not having every answer or being, like you said, we can't cure. (laughs) Um, We can't cure. We can encourage people and support them to get good mental health care. You're not a bad Catholic if you see a psychiatrist or if you take medicines for your psychiatric disorder. If anything, all of those things are gifts from God. One of the things we do in this ministry, for example, is provide spiritual support groups for people Mm -hmm. that live with mental illnesses, uh, because in the secular world, it's very hard for them to find places where they can talk about their faith and their mental illness. Um, So it's a place where they can do that. It's also spiritual support groups for the caregivers, usually parents. Mm -hmm. I know my daughter Katie had uh, bipolar disorder, and I know when uh, she first attempted suicide and was hospitalized, we thought we were all alone, had no place to go to talk to anyone. And sadly, you know, the church, even though I'm a deacon, the church was the last place I thought I could go to talk about this. So we now provide spiritual support groups for parents and spouses uh, who are supporting someone so that they can know they're not alone and can talk to each other about this and uh, try to uh, reflect on where God is with them as they uh, support their loved ones. So that's right. what a mental health ministry does. We can work it into the liturgy. We can pray like in the intercessory prayers, pray for people that live with schizophrenia and mental health disorders, pray for those who are um, uh, uh, died by suicide. Uh, there's yeah. things we can, because the church does liturgy. Our Catholic church is certainly knows how to do liturgy well, and we yeah. can work these uh, concerns into the liturgy of the church, preach on it once in a while, uh, there's all sorts of things you can do to build up this ministry. It's not complicated, really. In one ways, in many ways, it's not comp- It's similar to what the church has been doing since forever. Uh, Christ understood mental illness. Christ ministered to many, many people who live with mental illnesses and mental health challenges. So we've been doing it forever. Mental health ministry now is just a way to focus it and be more deliberate about it and, th- and uh, think about how we want to approach it. Mm, that's so good. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, I am speaking with Deacon Ed Schoner, who's a deacon in the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania, and a founding member of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. Um, deacon Ed, to uh, pick up just on the topic of the prayer and liturgy, um, are there certain saints or devotions that you encourage folks to turn to um, f- during times of mental health challenges and questions? Well, the, uh, the patron saint, uh, the, at least the most well-known patron saint, is Saint Dimpna, a woman, a princess from Ireland in the seventh century. She, so her whole story is kind of clouded a little bit in the midst, shrouded in the midst of history. Uh, but the and I understand her as Saint Dimpna is becoming a, a name that more and more young women are taking as confirmation mm-hmm. names. Yeah. Uh, but real uh, one of the miracles about Saint Dimpna is, is the town that she settled in, where she died, is Gill, Belgium. And for centuries, Gill, Belgium was the place in northern Europe that opened their 
arms up to invite people in who lived with mental health challenges and mental illnesses and integrated them into the community and accepted them. And that's a wonderful model for what the church can be, is, is that St. Dimpton inspired this uh, way of living, supporting people centuries ago. And it's uh, hopefully she can still, cons- I'm sure she is, supporting the church and becoming a welcoming and open place to support people that yeah. live with mental illnesses. So St. Dimpton is the, the main one. Uh, there's others, but she's, she's yeah. the big one. <clears throat> Most well known, yeah, well- uh, thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I'm hoping our listeners will look into her a little bit more. I know I'm a little familiar with her name. You're correct that I have, I've actually seen some young women take her name as a, yes. as a patron saint, which is interesting. Yes. Yes. Um, Deacon Ed, one of the more recent um, initiatives you've, you've taken on um, comes out of a, a book that was published back in 2020 by Ave Maria Press. You wrote a, a book called When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. Um, again, a, a difficult work, but I know it's, it's an important one deacon ed so thank you for for sharing um your own insights into this what uh, what was kind of the the genesis of that book why do you think um really now is the time to to share this and what uh inspired you to i think there's a an accompanying video series with this as well could you speak a little bit more about that yes it's uh my daughter katie as i mentioned earlier bipolar disorder and she died by suicide in august of 2016 and uh we were quite open in our obituary that she had a mental illness and died by suicide because we, yeah. and for our neighbors here in Scranton, our parishioners, we didn't want any gossiping. We just were quite open about it so they knew what happened. Right. This obituary went viral. I uh, got covered all over the world. And uh, what I and apparently it's not because I'm a celebrity or Katie. It, apparently it went viral because it spoke to the, uh, the the needs and problems and discrimination that people who live with these illnesses experienced. And mm-hmm. so being open about it was important. Uh, so that's and, and they also asked that uh, that there would be a ministry within the church to address this. Mm-hmm. So that's why Bishop Dolan and I wrote this, uh, edited this book. And when you think you have it bad and losing a child by suicide is bad, Bishop Dolan, who's the uh, Bishop of Phoenix, uh, has lost three siblings to suicide and a brother-in-law. So wow. it's it's important that people know that this affects everybody. These yeah. mental illnesses, suicide affects every family. I don't care if you're a bishop, a deacon, a lay leader in the church, whoever. These It's every place. And we can be more open and supportive with each other. So we wrote this book to help people uh, deal with the, uh, to know that Christ is with them in their grief when they're grieving someone who died by suicide to clear up some of the church teachings on this matter. Mm-hmm. And we developed the film series because not everybody likes to read. So there's now a film series where you can watch uh, us tell our stories about loss by suicide and how uh, our faith supported us. And there's prayers associated with each one of these films too. So it's, it's, it's our hope that people who are grieving a suicide will be able to use these resources to let them know they're not alone and that Christ is with them as they grieve and that Christ has mercy on their loved one who died by suicide. Yeah. Oh, it's so important. And so Deaconette, it sounds like this is something that could be used individually, like just someone could watch on their own, is that correct? Or read. But is it also something that could be envisioned for one of these parish ministries as well that we were talking about earlier? Yes, yes, for both. I mean, I know when I, uh, when Katie died, I searched around looking. That's how I dealt with my grief was reading. Uh, And there wasn't much out there in the way of Catholic literature. So we developed these two books uh, 
to answer that need. Because, you know, the books are short. The chapters are short because when you're grieving, you can't read a whole novel. So right. they're short uh, little chapters that you can read and then reflect. There's prayers to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Mary at the end of each one. But there's also, you can also use them. Our hope is that some parishes will use them for suicide bereavement support groups. Mm-hmm. where Because we have a facilitator's guide and a participant guide where uh, you can use them in small groups. So for both, yes, for, for individuals, to particularly to watch them on online and then also uh, to use them in group settings. I also want to add quickly that the film resources and that are all free. There's no charge. Awesome. So you can go to our website or Ave Maria's website and you can find the, uh, the films there. The book, Ave Maria Press <laughs> sells them, not, not yeah. a, uh, at, a, at a large price, but you can also get the book through Ave Maria Press. We talked a little bit about some of the obstacles, the like the stigma, the misunderstanding around mental health, um, and how that has kind of hindered um, a, a good, robust pastoral response. Deacon Ed, have you seen this change then through the years? Is I know there's work to be done, but have you started to see that change and that fruit happening? Slowly, it's changing. Yes, we're seeing ministries cropping up across the U.S. and other places around the world. I'm thrilled to say that the, the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network uh, has one day a month now devoted to mental health issues, uh, the second Monday of the month. So we work, as you may know, the Pope has a monthly prayer intention on various topics. So, for example, this month it's on children who suffer. So we offer prayers on the second Monday for children who suffer with mental illness and mental health concerns. A couple months ago, it was for the elderly, so elder, the elderly mental health issues. So I'm thrilled that the Vatican, the Holy Father, uh, is supporting this ministry within the church. So, uh, yeah, it's slowly growing. It's uh, And I... Like, I'm absolutely convinced the Holy Spirit's moving in this. And although yeah. it can be an uncomfortable ministry where we have to sort of get outside of our normal uh, areas of familiarity, it is it is a ministry that the Holy Spirit will be with us as we uh, you know step off into that. Maybe a ministry that some people are not comfortable with. And again, I would encourage people to go to our website. We have all sorts of resources there. We'll help people. They can call and talk to me uh, and yeah. others about how to get a ministry like this launched in, in your parish. Wonderful. Um, we have a, a couple minutes left, Deacon Ed, and I often ask my guests um, if you could share with us just a, a note of hope and encouragement for these times. And especially with this topic, I, I know that um, we need to be able to um, rely heavily on the virtue of Christian hope. So what would you share with us today? Well, the, the, the hope is, or the, is in the sure and certain hope and the sure and certain knowledge that Christ is with you in the midst of these, because you know s- struggles, because mm-hmm. you know so often people who live with depression, anxiety, and mental health disorders even think Christ has abandoned them. They think they're not loved. They think that uh, uh, the church would be better off without them, and in the case of suicide, that the world would be better off without them. They truly think that. So the hope is, is that God loves you, God's with you in the midst of this. Uh, it's a hard illness and a hard thing to understand, but to never lose sight of the fact that God is standing right there next to you and guiding you and supporting you and loving you. And Christ is always merciful and not to feel ashamed to get the care that you need and to reach out to Christ in those these moments of despair and deep sadness. Because as Pope Francis says, we can shine a light in the darkness and shine a light that uh, gives people hope. So uh, yes, that's the, that's the whole point of this ministry is to give people with these struggles hope and always the reassurance that they're loved by a merciful and loving loving God. Amen. Thank you so much for for all of your work, your dedication uh, to this field of mental health ministry. Thank you so much, Deacon Ed, for your time today. Thank you for having me, Miriam. God bless you. 
I've heard it said that the shortest sentence in the gospel is, And Jesus wept. We hear these words when Jesus approaches the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. When those in the crowd saw the tears of Jesus, the gospel tells us that they said, See how he loved him. This short passage is so poignant because it really brings out the humanity of Jesus in the vulnerability of his tears and his grief. But what a wonder to reflect on, that this is the second person of the Trinity weeping. Again, this brings us back to a point that Deacon Shoner really emphasized, that Jesus is with us in our pain. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you'll know that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, this astonishing miracle far beyond even the marvelous healings he had performed in his ministry, and it foreshadows the Lord's own resurrection from the dead. But the raising of Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, tells us this is something that God has planned for all of us. And this should be a great source of hope for us and a message that we need to bring to others as well so that more and more people can hear about the new life that Christ is calling us to even now. Because Christians believe in a kind of resurrection even before physical death. That's what baptism is all about. We go into the water one way and we emerge from the water a new creation in Christ. The Catechism in paragraph 1214 says that to baptize means to plunge or immerse. The plunge into the water symbolizes the catechumen's burial into Christ's death, from which he rises up by resurrection with him, a new creature. In just a couple of lines later, in paragraph 1216, we read that this bath is called enlightenment. Because those who receive this instruction are enlightened in their understanding. Having received in baptism the word, the true light that enlightens every man, the person baptized has been enlightened. He becomes a son of light. Indeed, he becomes light himself. And that light of Christ was a key theme of my conversation with Deacon Shoner. Isn't it extraordinary that we can become sons and daughters of light? Isn't it amazing that we too can bring that incomparable light to others so that they too can hear the words of Jesus who says, whoever believes in me, believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me. I came into the world as light so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not observe them, I do not condemn him, for I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Now, to bring this all together, I wanted to share a short poem by G.K. Chesterton. It's called The Convert, and it uses the image of Lazarus to describe how the poet felt about coming home to Christ and his church. He writes, After one moment when I bowed my head, and the whole world turned over and came upright, and I came out where the old road shone white, I walked the ways and heard what all men said, forests of tongues like autumn leaves unshed, being not unlovable but strange and light, old riddles and new creeds not in despite but softly as men smile about the dead. 
The sages have a hundred maps to give that trace their crawling cosmos like a tree. They rattle reason out through many a sieve that stores the sand and lets the gold go free. And all these things are less than dust to me because my name is Lazarus and I live. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And to echo the quote I referenced at the start of the show, please know that each of you is willed, each of you is loved, and each of you is necessary. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next week as we continue to reflect on the great commission given to us by Jesus himself to go and make disciples of all nations. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.